Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, from our Lord Jesus Christ. And with these words, the text, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Here ends our text. There's quite a controversy today, although it seems as though there's one every day, but quite a controversy over the subject of guns and maybe what we call gun control. We all know and should know that with such a thing as guns, there's always a positive and there's always a negative. What is it that we use guns for? And if you use it in the positive sense, it has fed many a people with their game, with their food on their table. It has defended many a people from tyrants and people who would abuse them and use them, people who would rob and people who would murder. But it has also been an instrument of terror. It's been something that has been used to harm people, to bring about the deaths of innocent people, to uh, use as weapons for the purpose of advancing the agenda of those who would steal and rob from others as well. So consequently, the question is always, in what way can we use this in a positive way and avoid using this in a negative way, not whether we throw them all out or whether or not everybody has everything that they might want. The same is also true of God's law. God gave to us his commands. And these commands, in great part, summarized by what is called the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, but in the Old Testament, expanded even further to help to regulate all aspects of daily life so that man might not hurt himself and so that his heart might be turned back towards God. This law of God is seen, I guess, in much the same way as a gun. It can be used in the most positive way and it can be used in the most negative of way. And sometimes when we see the negative way that the law is used, it turns our heart to not want to use the law at all. And on the other hand, when we see the way in which the law can be used positively, it is oftentimes used almost as though it were an end unto itself. And we'll explain that a little bit more as we look at this story, this text. There are a number of occasions where Jesus comes up against Pharisees and those who had misapplied the law. They were using the law in all the wrong ways instead of the right ways. And when Jesus said that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, he was telling us that he alone knew rightly and perfectly how to be able to use the law. What is the purpose of God's law? Well, in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus said it rather succinctly. The law is there for one reason, to show us that we indeed are sin-sick people. The law is there to make us realize that we cannot heal ourselves. The law 
is there for the purpose of making us realize that this sickness called sin is something that ultimately leads to death, but its goal is to drive us to the doctor, to the physician, so that we seek the healing that we need. Jesus said it very simply, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, he said, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The law leads us to recognize, see, to repent, and ultimately it leads us like a child being led back to its mother. It leads us back to Christ. We are also told that the purpose of the law is there for the purpose of restraining us so that we might do those things which are good and healthy in our lives. But especially, the law is there to drive us back to God's Word so that we might rightly worship Him. There was this thing called the Third Commandment. The Third Commandment that says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You shall sanctify the holy day. And Luther's explanation, we all remember, don't we? We should fear and love God that we may not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. The law commands us to come before God, and it drives us so that we understand and appreciate and love to hear the word of God. And you can see how it is that that works today, right? How many people do you suppose are saying to themselves this morning as they lay within their beds or they find themselves recreating or anticipating the Super Bowl and they give up as though the law were nothing. They give up the worship of God and the attentiveness to hearing the Word of God, to loving to hear the Word of God, which even as Christians extends even further to a daily basis we love to be able to hear God's word and to keep it, to hold on to it. The law was there to, like maybe cattle going down a chute, to direct them so that they did not take that day of worship, that Sabbath day, that day of remembrance of God's word, and start doing all the things that they would normally do, like, for instance, work. And instead, the Sabbath day would be a day when they would rest from their labors, they would plan for it. They would make sure that they had a chance to enter into that synagogue and to hear God's word, to meditate, to think about it, to pray, to worship. And the law knows better than we what is good for us, but its purpose was always to serve our good. That's why it is that Jesus saw and understood what the true prohibitions of the Sabbath were. In our text, the disciples are going through the fields and they are gathering grain as they walk. They are grabbing the kernels and rubbing it together and then eating on the way. You see, the thing is, is that God's law actually permitted that. In other words, that's the kind of food that you can eat he just did not want people to be spending all their time in the kitchens making big feasts for themselves on a day when they should be worshiping God. Well, that's what the law was for. 
help lead us to Christ, help us see our need for a Savior, and to then guide us into holy living so that we might not only serve God rightly, but also serve the welfare of our neighbor. There was also, therefore, like that gun, there was an abuse of God's law. The abuse of the law, Jesus tells us more about it in chapter 5, verse 33, when he tells us about the story of a wedding feast. He said that the Pharisees didn't seem to understand when it is that the law, they could not discern between where it is that they, the law should be used to teach them self-denial and when it is that the law gave them the freedoms to be able to enjoy and to celebrate the gifts that God had given to them. They did not understand that the law there in the Old Testament was intended to lead them to Christ. But once that Christ came, <clears throat> that the demands and the commands of the law which were met by him was something that they should have rejoiced in. Austerity, self-denial, and now rejoicing. He said there is a difference between when it is that the bridegroom has not yet arrived, when everybody is not eating, when they are not feasting, and when the bridegroom arrives, that's when everybody should be able to be free to rejoice and be happy. One abuses the law when one cannot discern between times to engage in self-denial and where it is that one can actually appreciate and receive all the wonderful gifts of God with thanksgiving. That is an abuse. Jesus says that the law also get abused when we start adding things to God's law that are really nothing more than the opinions of men. Going back to that story of the disciples who are eating all of this, these kernels of wheat, the law permitted them to do that. That actually was something which God allowed as long as they just reached out from the path and grabbed things as they walked. They weren't abusing the Sabbath, but the Pharisees why are your disciples doing this? What they had done is that they were basically adding to that, making it look as though people who did that weren't really fulfilling the law. There was a group of people that were living out on the edge of the desert called the Essenes. Perhaps you've heard a little bit about the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were the products of these people who were living out there in the desert, living in austerity, separating themselves from the so-called sinful world. And when the Sabbath came, they would go and they would sit down and they were not allowed to move even to go to the bathroom. Now, is that what God intended for the Sabbath? No. Only by adding to God's laws, they also made themselves out to be super-duper believers as though one would be saved by one's own good deeds. And they made the law so severe that they also turned the hearts of people away from the goodness of God that was actually in that commandment. The law of God is also abused when we become blind to its true purpose and we make it an end unto itself. What do we mean? Well, the story is told by Jesus of something that happened to 
what eventually became King David. He was fleeing from Saul along with his companions and he did not have any food. And so he did something that actually was forbidden by the law. He entered into the holy place of the tabernacle and he took the showbread, the bread that was there that was set apart holy for God and he and his men ate that bread which was contrary to the law. But Jesus is pointing out what? That the intent behind it was the saving of life and to that extent the law could and would be transcended. David wasn't guilty because he was there to save life, not to destroy it. When we make the law an end unto itself, this, these Pharisees were all angry over the fact that Jesus had healed a person on the Sabbath day. They were watching. And when Jesus healed this man, they became angry and upset as though you broke the rules. And Jesus is trying to say when he says that word, Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, that when God gives us commands, yeah, when he gives us commands, his intent behind everything is the enhancement and the saving of our lives. And when we make rules, rules unto rules for the sake of rules themselves, we do not fulfill the law of God. And finally, there is an abuse of the law when the law becomes a means whereby we become superior to others or the law is being used as a way to make us think we are superior in God's eyes. Yeah. These Pharisees, seeing what Jesus had done, they were so indignant about what he had done. He had broken the law. They had kept the law. He had been a person who did not seem to understand what was right and wrong. His disciples were eating along the pathways. He was teaching them false things. They were people who had so strictly kept the law. While even when it came down to tithing, they would take their dill seeds and they would count out one out of ten of their little dill seeds because they were so righteous. See, we can take God's law to such an extent that we can look at others and we can say, I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not like other men. I thank thee, Lord, that I am better than this one over here. I thank thee, Lord, that when I compare myself to those other people, those people who don't seem to be able to know right from wrong, I feel so much better about myself. The law was not here and was not given to us for the purpose of telling us how wonderful we are. The law, in fact, if anything, is here to show us how equal we are, equally condemned under the law. So what then are we to do with this law? How are we to use it rightly? Jesus tells us, Paul tells us, that we use it rightly when the law, again, leads us to Christ. When we, have, we can see how sinful we are and how in need we are of his salvation. This is what is written in the book of Hebrews. The law, he says, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. The law, perhaps if we use the illustration, is like when a child, we say, you can't go across the street. 
it is something that we're teaching them so that later on in life when they come to realize that they don't cross the street so that they don't get hit by a car, that they're able to grow up. But once they grow up, they can put the law to the side because now they understand. The law was there for the purpose of teaching, for instructing, for pointing. It was a shadow and it's intended now to lead us to where that shadow is leading our eyes and that is to the Christ who is going to come and be our Savior. In Romans 10, the Apostle Paul says that Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Now, as Lutherans, we have received a great gift, a distinction between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of the gospel. The righteousness of the law would be that we our people, if we are righteous, that we would be completely and totally conforming ourselves to the demands that the law makes upon us in our life. And now we realize that not a single one of us can be righteous under that law. That indeed now it is intended to make us despair of that kind of righteousness so that the righteousness that we seek is not the one that comes through what we do, but by what Christ has done for us. That, in fact, it is this gift that he has given unto us, and that by believing that we might hang on to a perfection in God's sight based not upon what we do or are, but rather based upon what Christ has done for us. And this use of the law, therefore, is intended to drive us to see that Christ is the one who has done everything for us and to receive it by trusting in that righteousness, that perfection in God's sight by faith. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. That is to say, this strange and alien work that the law does, for even though God is serious when he commands us in those commandments to honor our father and mother, to not harm or hurt our neighbor to respect and defend the reputations or the possessions of our neighbor even though he commands that and does so out of love for us and our neighbor yet there is no way in heaven or on earth that we're able to keep those commands of god and falling short he wants us to realize that our righteousness is in our faith in christ that as faith grabs onto this gift of God, that God deems us to be his sinless children. And therefore, the right use of the law is to drive us to that point where we see Christ. But what this does, too, the right use of the law means that now we follow the law in perhaps a little different way. Whereas, like with children, you know, where we give them commands and we say, now go to bed. And if you don't go to bed, you're going to get a spanking or time out or whatever it might be. We use the stick, if you will, as an incentive. Now he tells us because of Christ, 
the law becomes something different for us. Now what we do, we do out of love. And this love, this gratitude to Christ for what he has done for us, changes the way in which we go about living our so-called holy life. We now are able to discern the difference between when it is time to fast and when it is time to feast, when it is time to be sorrowful and when it is time to be joyful. It tells us where it is that we should engage in the mortification, the putting to death of our flesh, and when it is that we should turn to God in joyful thanksgiving for all that he has done for us. And when we are motivated by love, we know the difference between them. It is this love for Christ that also enables us to be able to live our lives free. Yeah. Free means that when we can receive our food and our drink with thanksgiving for what God has so graciously given to us, if every breath we take, if the sunshine that we receive, which you haven't seen much of, but the sunshine that we receive, if all of these things, if every day, every moment is a gift from God, this enables us to be able to also recognize and see that we need not live with guilt over all those things that burden us so much as though there is so much to be done. And it is out of love that we know when it is it is time to transcend the law and when it is time to live underneath it. We've oftentimes said that story, you know, of the Good Samaritan where all of those righteous priests walked on by this man who was beaten on the side of the road because they were there to fulfill the law. They had to go up and remain pure so that they could work in the temple. But along comes a Samaritan and he picks the man up, washes his wounds and brings him to this shelter where he could be protected and defended. He broke the law, if you will, but he did so out of love. And where love is, there is no law. And last of all, this love that we have gained from Christ knows us, it teaches us how to properly look at our neighbor. Rather than using the law to condemn them and exalt ourselves, the law teaches, or the love teaches us that every thing that our neighbor is in the eyes of God is the same as we and that God's law is only there to help them to be able to see and Jesus says judge not and you shall not be condemned condemn not yeah judge not it frees us and liberates us from that burden of always constantly comparing ourselves to others and judging others so Will we be wise enough to use that gun, that gun of the law? Will we be wise enough to rightly divide the law from the gospel? This was the great and wonderful contribution of the Reformation 500 years ago this year. The coming of the gospel did not mean that we escaped the law nor that we in any way abused the law but it means that now by using the law to lead us to Christ 
It enables us now in love to properly fulfill the law in the way in which Christ has led us to believe and to live our lives. Amen. May this peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.